Cameron. Uh, I um. So uh, there's a, this musician I follow, right? Uh, named Devin Townsend. I've had you listen to some of his stuff for Music Club. He's yeah. working on a new project, and every week he does like an update, and he's kind of talking about it, but also some of his other stuff. And the update he did this week was interesting because it kind of talked about um, the creative process and the energy, like as he's getting older. And I kind of resonated with it. He's in his like late fifties, I think. So obviously we're different age brackets, but I'm curious if this strikes you uh, in any way. Where he said when he was younger, it was a lot easier for him to uh, basically like neglect a lot of parts of his life when he was working on creative stuff. He had the energy and the mental fortitude, and just like his body could take not eating for longer, or uh, it handled stress differently he could stay up later or yet you know, abuse drugs if he needed help that way you know it, it uh it was easier for him to hit this kind of like manic state where he really likes to be in to work and now that he's older he realizes one that chef's really really unhealthy and two sometimes it's just sometimes he just wants to watch tv for an hour instead and so he's he's stressed out about, you know, the things we're all stressed out about when we make stuff, you know, the quality of it. Will an audience like it? Will it find a market? Will I get it done on time? Um, but he doesn't have that, like, that springboard that of, of youth, I guess, to, to, to get over that and just, like, make himself work. Because he's got part of it maybe wisdom, part of it maybe just tired. And I found that interesting because in my 20s, it was easy to write every day and be really sustainable with that i'd get a book done i'd start another one i was sending that stuff to agents i was working on short stories and balancing some other projects and i find it a lot more difficult now to do all that uh i still get stuff done but the, the it's like the pace of it was not sustainable and it, it made me realize that maybe maybe i'm just getting older and sometimes i want to watch tv I have a love-hate relationship with artists that I think a lot of other artists also uh, share. Okay. Uh, you're creative, too. I, I, yes. You know, we, we, we speak on that same language. We have a natural, uh, what's the word, inclination to look at things differently and we dissect things in our mind and reconfigure them and think about possibilities. And sometimes we overthink things. Yeah. Uh, hearing Devin Townsend explain the concept that maybe he's getting a little older and tireder since he's not 20 anymore. It, 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 I'm going to be honest. It's like the cringiest thing ever. I think it's less that and more. Ideally, you get older and yeah, you can't do as much, but you have like that wisdom or or uh, enough history of this to kind of rely on, um, on that to you know sustain things or or at least get things done to your uh, quality standards. And he's finding that he he maybe doesn't have that as much as he thought he would, having put out over fifty albums worth of music. Like it 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 never really gets easier. It's always as difficult as it is the first time, just in different ways. A, a little bit, but my problem with you know philosophers sometimes is when uh when you step back and you have these thoughts about you're like dissecting your own life and thinking about things like your own mortality or the time you've spent. Uh, I I looked it up real quick on Google, and apparently the current scientific consensus is. Uh, for as long as the Earth has been around, there's been roughly 117 billion uh, human beings on the planet. That's a lot. But somehow, Devin Townsend is the first person to have this existential crisis. It's just never come up before. I mean, he wouldn't frame it that way, but... No, but that's how he's framing it in his own mind when he has these thoughts. Because uh, we everybody does it. <laughs> that's the yeah. thing. Sometimes you have to remember, oh, yeah, you know, <laughs> I, I, I think the human condition is actually a little more relatable than I like to believe. We, we, we constantly have a struggle of being a nobody in the vastness of space and the main character of our own movie. 
Yes, that uh, that is definitely true. And we're all a lot more complicated than we think we are or that we think other people are. I uh, Last year, I read a book called The Great Santini, and I probably bitched about it a bit on this podcast because ultimately, I didn't really like it. But I think Which about podcast? it a lot. Uh, this one that we're on right now. Which is? Opinions are cheap with Cameron and Chad. That's me. Are you are you using the right microphone? You sound a little um, staticky. Oh, I I am recording on a different microphone than the one you're hearing. Hmm. Okay, no worries then. So the the Great Santini is a, it's a book. I think it was written in like the '60s or the '70s. Uh, it takes place after the Vietnam War. the The main character is a fighter pilot. He's uh calls himself the Great Santini. He's got a family. He he been in he's career military and he treats his family like he is treated in the military he is a bad person but has a very specific upbringing and a lot of reasons why he is the way he is and the the book is framed in such a way that it's like the author really likes this guy despite him being you know a, a little bit of a sociopath like you know that he'll he'll steer at it into animals if he sees them along the side of the road uh definitely says some really racist stuff throughout the book is horrible to his kids a lot of the time. And so you're like, man, this guy's an asshole. I fucking hate this man. Uh, but the book's writing him as if he's like the greatest ever, which is kind of the point. And then when he does something you like, uh, which is, you know, once in a while, you know, he's not always the bad guy. Sometimes he's got a good opinion or he he comes to the rescue in a way that is is really neat and, and worthwhile. And it's, and it's still framed in that same way that he's the greatest guy ever. And you're like, oh, yeah, maybe. No, he's not. And it's such a like a simple takeaway, uh, but it, it the way it's presented and the way it's framed like really kind of I guess really stuck with me because I still think about this where we're all the main character you know we all think ourselves as maybe the great guy to some extent, um, and we're all flawed as fuck and we're all like a lot more than just the flawed as fuck parts. And I try to, you know, I'm dealing with people at work or in my life that I, I, I totally disagree with on certain things. I'm like, geez, I can't believe you said that. Only an asshole would say that. And it's like, well, what what led him to that point, right? You know, there's there's always this. It's it's not just like a straight line to get anywhere uh, anymore. It's all these twists and turns and I don't know, whatever that metaphor is. I'm not drunk enough to have this conversation, maybe, but this is where I'm at. I'm tonight. I get you. I hear you. I'm not you. sure I recommend the book. <laughs> Do you find, because you, you work on a lot of different stuff, though, still. I mean, you know, you're, you're ostensibly, you, you got your VR chat stuff, um, your, some of your YouTube things you've been kind of playing around with, like, 10 years ago, was it easier to make stuff, or, or uh, do you, do you get weighed down a lot more with things that maybe didn't bother you then, or... You know, just the, the physical aspect of being more tired because you're in your 30s versus your 20s. I mean, like I said, it's not a profound so, thing to realize, but I imagine I'm not the... You yeah. Know. I, it, it's interesting because I, sometimes I look at older things I've made and it's like, it's not up to my current standards. And I feel like part of that growth, even if like my output is technically slower, it's also things like, oh, I did learn how to audio mix a little bit. And that's why this video sounds like it did is because I recorded it and then uploaded it. And that's one of the reasons why I could do a bunch of them versus now where I actually kind of care. So if I, if I want to do a video, it involves multiple steps that didn't exist. Uh, you know, if I did this 10 years earlier. Yeah. So sometimes, yeah, I, I can see things that I have slowed down on. And then there's other things where, I don't feel like I'm too slow. Like I'm not disappointed with myself for being slow. Uh, I wish there was more time in the day. Mm -hmm. uh, I would love, you know, if, if, um, if my workplace would go to the like four day work week thing and I could spend a whole day just focusing on like a creative project, I feel like I could crank things out if I had like one day of the week that I dedicated to like, creative work and then still have a rest day where I'm not stressing my brain. Sure. Cause that, I mean, again, 
as much fun as it is to do things like draw a comic or edit a video or build something in 3D, it, you're kind of working parts of your brain that you work during a workday too. Yeah, definitely. And you do need to way. rest. I know. I, I I think to like when I, when when you discover a band for the first time, usually the first album you hear is like your favorite, and like they imprint on you, right? Uh, and so you have a lot of these bands that have been around a long time. I know so many people that are like, oh, Godsmack's first album is their best one. And it's like, is it though? Or is it because it's the first album you heard? But conversely, it it's also the album they made when they didn't know what they were doing. They had no budget, so they had to record it kind of like probably first take or second take. Um, I imagine they, you know, they were younger. They were probably drinking a lot. They could have been doing other drugs. I mean, there is... There's a vibe to a lot of bands' first albums of of just kind of this like scrappy. What the fuck are we doing? I can't believe we got signed to a record label. We can't fuck this up. And then, you know, the second album is either better or worse depending on how they catapult off the first. And then it does seem like there's this trajectory of like slowly going up and then maybe starting to dip back down. And I I, I imagine some of that is age. Like you know, you you hit your forties and you don't want to write the same music as you did in your twenties. You don't, you can't play the drums as fast, maybe. So, like, oh, let's maybe write some easier drum bits. Let's, uh, let's tone down the guitar, maybe slow the BPMs down a little bit. Uh, oh, I've been listening to, to country a bit more than normal. Maybe we should put some country elements in here. Hopefully, our fans don't hate that. And, like, with that band specifically, they released what is supposed to be their last album last year. And they're really hyped about it. Like, this is our best album ever. And I listen to them, like, this is your worst album ever. It's not bad. I like it, but it's nowhere near as good as most of their others. And there's you know that that disconnect, you know how much of that comes from I guess partly their age and just being in this industry for like 20 fucking years versus your the things that interest you over time change versus I don't know production quality stuff because it's definitely more produced because that's just how things are done now. I mean, it, there's so many like factors that go into that, and it's it's weird because I think about my own stuff, and I'm like, I'll never write a book as good as my first one, which isn't true. My first book is my worst book, but it didn't feel that way when I wrote it, and it still like emotionally doesn't feel that way because of how it felt when I wrote it and didn't know what the fuck I was doing. I don't know if that was coherent. No, I, I understand. And it's also, you know, sometimes the other thing, too, is I, I think about, like, you know, could I spend this time uh, doing something that will lead to, like, a, a side income? Yeah. You know, like, could I could I make something that I could market somehow and then use that money to further fund hobby stuff? And like it's not fun to do it that way like it's not fun to think that way so the motivation dries up yeah um and really the the reason i do hobby stuff is to unwind <laughs> you know from work so it's it's i don't know i don't i i hope no one is listening to me and looking for advice because it, it's not like I figured out life. I, I hate sometimes uh, people will ask me questions or they'll say, boy, I mean, I'm struggling with this. What do you think? And it's like, I can tell you what I think, but I'm concerned that you care what I think. That's interesting. Like, I, I can offer a different perspective, but I hope you're not taking this as a literal, like, black and white answer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Rather. I mean, depending on the topic, I usually, I, I you know, I can feel kind of confident I don't, like, it's weird. I don't talk about my writing pretty much at all at work or with, like, some of my immediate friends. My family knows about it, and I'll bounce ideas off them. But ultimately, like, it's this weird hobby that I'm really, really invested in, and I spend a lot of time and emotional sweat on. Uh, and then I, like, don't get picked up by an agent, so I throw a book on Amazon, I make, like, two Facebook posts, and then I'm, I, I move on to the next one, and I totally, you know, I don't think about it anymore. And so... I had someone at work read it. Uh, he wanted to buy a copy of my latest one. I was like, yeah, sure, 10 bucks, here you go. Uh, I sold him my copy and then had to order another copy and have it sent to me. And then with shipping was like a $12. So I actually lost $2 on that. Um, All right. But he, okay. He's got a lot of, 
people on his Facebook feed that that are work with him, and so he posted, you know, a picture of it and said, "Hey, I just finished this by, you know, our coworker, and it was really good. And if you want, you should read it." And so I got people coming up to me at work on occasion now asking me about my writing, and like, I I get so fucking awkward talking about something that I have, I think, a lot of opinions on, a lot of experience with, uh, a lot of confidence on when I internally think about it. And then they're just like asking me these questions and I'm just like, I have no idea. How do I distill a 500 hour process into a 20 second water cooler conversation? And I feel so weird. And then I feel self-conscious and I'm like, oh, they probably think I suck. And then, then the anxiety shows up and it's like, oh, better take more vitamin D. I haven't seen the sun in two weeks. You know, it's funny. Uh, a coworker, um, he... Uh, he, well, his position kind of got downsized, but also I think he was kind of looking for an excuse to quit anyway. So it's kind of like, oh, okay, you know what? It's fine. And, uh, he's looking for like a normal job, but he was also saying how one of the things he wants to do is like get into painting as a job. Like he wants to sell stuff, you know, get commissions or whatever, but he really likes doing art. And I didn't know that he liked to do art stuff. And so he showed me his Instagram and he paints. Uh, what he what his favorite thing to paint is, is these little like two by two inch like mini canvases. Oh. Because they're very cute looking, but you can paint a little picture on it real quick with like cheap paints. And it looks like a neat little display piece that you can put on a desk or you could put in like small corners on the walls like he he gives them as gifts to his like friends and family and they you know they like him cuz it's good work and actually i uh i commissioned a painting of a goomba from him um like i don't want to say it was charity like it was partially like hey i'm sorry that you're being let go here's some money but also i wanted a painting from him because he's good and i wanted sure. it to like go on the wall in my office and so now i have this cute like goomba painting on the wall but uh, my point was, it was weird talking to him about it because it's like, oh, I could have been talking to you about art stuff like these last three years. Yeah. And because because he didn't realize that I kind of liked stuff, too. And I bring in like I have a little like Star Wars miniature that I painted. He didn't realize that I painted that. He thought it came like that from the the model store. Sure. And so I was showing him the stuff that I do. And I, you know, I pull open a drawer in my office that I keep art supplies in and I gave him like a different kind of eraser he's never used before. And I was showing him how I use these ink pens to do this other thing. And he was like blown away at not only the stuff I knew, but how fast I could do it. Because I like I just sketched out a Snoopy real quick to show him how to sh- how like I shade things. Yeah. And he was like, oh, whoa, what? Well, I can't even do that. And it was like. It was interesting because it felt like, boy, we probably could have learned something from each other if we ever brought up this uh, subject once. Yeah. I know some people at work are that were or are musicians. Um, and it's it's weird because I'll, ultimately I'll be like, oh, I have a bass guitar. I keep meaning to learn how to play one of these days. And I'm like, oh, man, you should learn how to play bass. We can like jam out. I love playing ACDC songs. And it's like, I've sunk literally thousands of dollars into death metal vocals and have gotten pretty good at it and i don't lead with that and i don't know why <laughs> and i probably because i assume no one cares and no one wants most people don't want to hear that right like it's abrasive in a way that people find offensive um but it, it's so strange that and I, I i don't know if other people are like this i imagine they are but the things we like we keep to ourselves versus don't and then the people that get really boisterous about their abilities, like, maybe they're not very good. And that's, and that's its own thing, right? You know, because I'm always afraid that if I start talking about it, I'm going to realize I'm actually not as good as I think I am. And everyone else knew that way longer than I did. And, and I don't know. Being alive is hard. Oh, cool. I just got an update. Okay, we're talking about art, right? I told yeah. you I'm in this like movie group and we watch like we, we try to w- watch like smarter movies and it, it's basically like this is a it's a VR chat thing, but it's people that we have invited that specifically like don't talk over and whine about movies when we sit down to watch one just so we can actually go. like discuss the art. Yeah. And uh, we got this list now. We have a spreadsheet 
and we're going to be marking off things that we want to share and things that we've watched and like kind of document it as we uh, expand on our movie club a bit. It's very interesting. Um, like the, the the kinds of movies I think I told you about uh, Whiplash really got to me. Uh, the drummer movie. Yeah, I didn't think I would care. And it's one of these things where I think if you told someone, oh, this movie, it's about a drummer and he learns to drum at drumming college. And it's like, okay, like, why would I watch that? <laughs> like, something about the pitch is just sort of like, I, I have a feeling I get where this goes, and you just don't. Like, it's it's such a good film. Apparently, there's another uh, sleeper hit, and this is from last year. Did you know they did a Slam Dunk movie? No. Are you familiar with Slam Dunk? Is it a basketball thing? Yeah. Okay. Classic Shonen Jump. I'm okay. talking like old, like like Dragon Ball time. Uh, no, I'm not aware of that property. Wow, okay. So they did an animated movie. And the art style is interesting because they went with CGI, but partially that's to uh, retain like the, the watercolor shading that they do for like uh, – the, the like cover art on issues but apparently like <laughs> this there's a movie critic i follow and he works in the industry like he makes movies and he put that as like his number three top movie of the year or, or number one i can't remember which but it was like it outclassed stuff i didn't think could be outclassed and it's like hey yeah this random anime movie and he was talking about it and it's like it seems like they did such a good job adapting this where now I have to sit down and watch the Slam Dunk movie, and I'm almost, like, upset about it. <laughs> like, oh, huh. great, another timeless classic I have to enjoy. Yeah. It does feel... The like the, the misconnections, right, when you find out someone is into something that you are... Um, like, the guy I, I, I sold the book to, uh, he writes poetry, and so every once in a while, like... You know, we'll, I'll swing by the department and be like, hey, you working on anything fun? You know, you writing anything cool right now? And he'll say yes or no. And be like, oh, yeah, I got up early this morning and the sun was really pretty. So I started writing some poem about the whatever, right? And, you know, we don't have like in-depth conversations, but the the little back and forth, it, it's one of those things that makes you kind of happy to be there. Just that like little spark of a human connection with someone like deeper than, hey, do you have the paperwork for me? Cause that's why I'm here. Oh, hey, I gotta ship this. Can you can you box this up for me? Like, and it's a, that's another one. There's nothing profound about like, hey, did you know when you connect with other humans, it makes you feel good? And yet, I feel like mm -hmm. I spend so much of my day trying not to do that because <laughs> I want to get the fuck out of there, or I want to just get my stuff done and not be bothered, and then I want to go home and then I can work on my stuff that I don't share with anybody. And it's so weird. Um, but then the sharing thing gets into like the, the marketing and the money aspect of stuff. And I feel like anytime you start getting bogged down with, oh, I should be paid this much for my hobby, that, that can be a really dangerous slope. And I don't know how much I want to fuck with that, right? Yeah. I, I, so one of those other things, too, is um, there's a couple streamers I like to follow. And... What I, I noticed about the people that I follow is they don't act like streamers. Like, they don't have a, a camera on their face. They don't, like, you don't react to stuff. They don't have a running chat thing with, like, with glitter coins and donations and stuff. And, like, they'll, they'll, you know, if somebody donates, they tend to go, like, oh, thank you. You don't have to do that. And I'm, I'm going to refund it. Don't, don't do that anymore. It's like they're not they're not doing it as a hustle. They're doing it because it's fun to talk to people and they, you know, they're, they're able to spin it in a way where they, they do have like a side income out of it. They do get, you know, the ad revenue part of it, but it's like, that's enough. They're not going to beg for like handouts. Yeah. But partially because they don't want it to be a job. Like sometimes they'll disappear for a week or two and they'll come back and say, Oh yeah, you know, sorry. It's yeah. It's been a couple weeks, but you know, uh, tonight we're going to do this and it's going to be fun. And it's like, yeah, because they have a, a life. Like, <laughs> you know, it's not like I, I feel really bad when I log into Twitch and I see 
a couple names that seem to be live every single day. Like every time I open Twitch, they're live, and it's like, dude, take a take a Monday off or something. Yeah, I know. Um, YouTubers that have talked about like their editing schedule, their you know for these long videos they make that are you know an hour plus long, and the amount of the work they put into them is way fucking harder than I work in a given day and sometimes my job feels oh, yeah. very stressful and it's like why would anybody want to do this uh, yeah, it sounds you know, miserable I, yeah really and uh the last uh warcraft video i put up i thought it was going to be a little more straightforward and it it actually had a lot more editing than i meant it to and it took me a couple weeks longer to get out than i would have liked mm-hmm. like it basically wasn't topical by the time i was finished with it and it's one of these things where I'm thinking a lot about, uh, like the next one I do, I'm I'm trying to restructure the workflow, and it's like, okay, can I, can I do some of these effects live? So it's not like layers that I have to re-edit to get. Like, okay, can I can I record with my VR headset on, but with the the good mic up close to my face instead of having to do like two takes of everything. Uh, can Probably. I can I do it with a better backdrop here? Like I, I'm I'm constantly trying to find ways to just simplify the workflow so that there's less back end to, to worry about. Yeah, um, I know when I did that uh, interview with couples on writing ages and ages and ages ago. Now it feels like I did use a my good USB mic for that, and I was able to somehow configure the audio settings to uh, hear with the Oculus, but turn the microphone off for Oculus and use the road and it worked really well. So I, I do think you, if you play around with that, you could actually get that working the way you wanted it to. Uh, well, I mean like mechanically. Yeah. But it, it rather, this is what my mindset is. It's like, <laughs> it used to be, can I write a good point? And now it's kind of like, can I film it and actually get it out within like three days worth of time? Cause some of this stuff is just sort of a, I I don't know it it it's strange how like sometimes a topic sticks around for a while and sometimes people forget about it after four hours. Yeah. Uh, the latest one, I I I was I'm not gonna write an essay on this one because it's not worth talking about. But the latest controversy is uh they they came out with a new patch and so like the last patch of the expansion. And one of the things they did now is you can like you can buy a, a boost for your character. And what they did was they changed it so that it boosts to the current patch. So it's not just max level. It also like hands you enough gear so that you can actually play the content in the trailer that you just watched. And okay. pe- well, people are like complaining about it. Like it, it undermines the integrity of the game. But the complaints are phrased as if the level boost that we've had for the past 10 years doesn't inherently already do that. And as if the the cash shop that lets you buy armor doesn't inherently already let you do that. Like it it's confusing to me that this is the hill people are choosing to die on. Yeah. Especially like as the age range of World of Warcraft goes up. And we've talked about this before, like they're they're kind of playing to the idea that, hey, people don't have as much time to invest in this game. How can we keep them around and still having fun and make money? And the answer is, oh, well, we can just sell them things that make their life easier and they'll buy them because, you know, maybe they'll play through the game once with their main character and then all their alts they are like, oh, I'll just like buy some gear and buy some levels and I can continue to hang out with my friends, but I can use a different character and I feel like the integrity of World of Warcraft in that regard has been gone for a very long time. Yeah. And part of me is like, I don't really care. I mean, I don't play, obviously. But even if I did, I don't know if I would care that much just because I, I don't have time for that. And I know other people don't. But it's like, well, just, you know, I, your I hobby, guess that, it's your thing. My, my hang up so much isn't that argument. It's that we had this conversation 10 years ago. Sure. And effectively, nothing's changed. Like, the the thing that they're offering right now will be obsolete in, like, six months when the new expansion comes out. 
like I, I, I don't know why people are acting like now it's a tragedy. It, it's kind of like I, I'm trying to think of like a uh, a real world example, but it's it's sort of like um, what's something controversial that people don't like? Machine Gun Kelly. Is that a band? It's uh he's a he's a musician, yeah. I I I mean like uh like a law or a something. A law. Um like okay, here's alternate I got an side parking's a real big one during the snow. No, I don't know what that means cuz I don't have snow. Oh. I'm really not I I'm got really one. doing bad. <laughs> you got okay, you got a dog park, right? Mm-hmm. Now let's say they put up a sign that says it's against the law to uh like to to set up um a like a party like you can't you can't bring in tents and have a barbecue at this dog park it has to be open just for the dogs so that okay. they have space okay reasonable yeah but there's people that like to have parties there and so they're upset that they can't have their 4th of July picnic at the dog park and that they have to use the other park that's across the street without dogs. Uh, they have their reasons because they want to bring their dogs and they like the fenced-in thing so that they know they're safe. But the people that aren't invited to the party are like, hey, I want to just walk my dog. There's room for debate there, right? I suppose. Imagine 15 years later, they put up a sign that says that law is still in effect. Please don't set up tents here. And now there's rioting in the streets. I wonder if the rioting in the streets is less because of the rules and whatnot and more just the continued symptom of people spending way too much time online and being able to rile each other up on Reddit and Twitter and whatever. And, well, yeah, you know, turning this week's news into a personality. Well, I mean, okay, I got another one, too. Uh, they they put in a thing in Warcraft where um you know how there's like a cash shop so you can um you can buy cosmetic stuff so you can buy like a mount or a pet yeah and we've had that for like fifteen years now or more yeah I, I, that might have uh, been around they, when I played yeah I think the first one was technically back when you played actually did you hear the news story about that that uh, it was that horse made out of stars oh yeah yeah, yeah. um. But did you hear that recent thing about it? No. What does it still clip into the ground? Because I believe that's what that was the news <laughs> of the day. Uh, no. Apparently, somebody that works at Blizzard uh, quit the company recently, and they said that they had uh, access to data that showed that horse was more profitable than the game StarCraft Two. Damn. Yeah, and that's basically why they don't have a StarCraft 3, is it's like, oh, if we can just sell mounts and WoW without the overhead. You know what's sad about that is that it's not a reason to not make StarCraft 3. Like, people want to play StarCraft 3, and there are people that want to make StarCraft 3 because they really like the world and the lore and the gameplay. And you don't have to make as much money as the mount. You just have the cost justify it enough to, to release it. I imagine StarCraft well, 2 made some money. Yeah, but this is what gets me, okay? Th and this is my business mind going. The takeaway lesson here shouldn't be let's devalue our product by offering less because the reason people want to buy the mount is because they want to spend time in Warcraft because they love Warcraft. The lesson they take away from this should be we should sell a mount in StarCraft 3. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then put out StarCraft 3, and some whales can fund it, and then normal people can blog about how they don't like the, the horses in StarCraft 3 because they cost too much be because they like the game and they don't want horses in it. Right. What was my point? Oh, yeah, so in Warcraft, they, they added a thing where uh, now once a month you get some coins... And if you play the game, you can get more coins, and you can spend those coins on cash items in the store. So, like, every month there's a rotating thing of, like, oh, this month we have this rare mount and this rare pet, and you can spend your coins that you got for free 
to unlock them if you want. Or you can bank them and hope that next month's even better, you know? And the 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 fan reaction was mostly good. I, I'm kind of on the fence of, like, I would rather, you know, achieve things to get a new mount instead of just, like, oh, I logged in on February. But, you know. Whatever. Whatever. That's a different conversation. Uh, they were doing this system. A lot of people were using it. A lot of people liked it. Uh, fast forward six months, and they have a thing where if you buy the expansion, you'll get 500 coins with it as a perk for buying the expansion. And that's the point where people started flipping out because now they're ruining the coins because you're paying cash for more coins. And it's like, you you couldn't, you, you could spend cash right now to buy gold. And that's literally like armor. You know, that's, that's pay to win. World of Warcraft right now is pay to win. Right, you're upset that people are are paying cash for the squirrel pet, like that's what you're upset about now, and I just I I'll never understand it. Like I I literally uh some of the scrapped essays I wrote were specifically about this topic, and there was no way I could express the simple logic I'm trying to apply without implying that everyone else in the world is stupid and I'm the only smart person. Sure. I don't, I don't understand and, the psychology of that, right? Like, this game has had a some level of pay-to-win for a very long time. It's it's always had a subscription fee. You look at the loot box methods that have been popular for over a decade now in video games, and it's it's not doing anything new at all. And so if you're against it here, you should technically be against it everywhere because it is a very pervasive problem in modern gaming now. Um, how much they want to nickel and dime you or sell you things that are cosmetic and you can choose or not choose to do it. To me, buying the expansion and getting some extra coins is a lot more fair than spending $10 on five loot boxes and hoping you get something that isn't garbage. So I, I, don't, I don't personally see the problem. I feel like this is a trend in the right direction in some respects versus what the status quo was a couple years ago, you know, we were playing Overwatch. Yeah, I, I, I don't get it. Um, there's one big Warcraft YouTuber that specifically was talking about how this is the end of World of Warcraft because now, like, th this is the worst thing to happen ever. And he was explaining that it was somehow worse than being pay to win. Like, he... He phrased it in a way where, like, the ability to get the extra 500 traders tender to unlock a hat was more destructive than being paid a win to buy armor. And he he said, like, he did this thing where he looked in the camera and he said, and look, if you think I'm wrong, then just call me stupid. Huh. And I have I have that video ripped in my library. And it's like, I'm going to call you stupid. And it's like, I just... I don't want to engage in negativity, so I just I'm not doing it. But it's like I don't know what he's going <laughs> like. What I watched his whole video and I did not understand where he was coming from. But there's just something. I, I my point of bringing all this up is, uh, I I don't <laughs> I I very desperately do not want to feel obligated to produce content, and I don't want to feel like I need to engage with every single thing that I hear. Cause I, I see some channels where they upload daily. Sure. And every single thing is a thumbnail of them pulling their hair out going like, is this the end of world of Warcraft? Is this the end of did star Trek online just close their doors forever? Is star Trek online the best game of 2024? And it's just like obnoxious. Over the weekend, I've been working on a, a kind of a tutorial video um, for the software Calibri, which is what I used to make ebooks for when I put on Amazon. Because when I was researching how to use this software uh, a couple years ago when I first started doing this, I found a lot of the tutorials were really simple. They didn't cover certain things I wanted to learn how to do. And uh, I'd have to watch like three different things to get all the information I wanted. And it was annoying. And I was like, okay, you know what I should do is put one together. And then I'll, I'll release it after I put out my next book. And it's kind of like, hey, here's here's information for free that I, I think I'm using this a little differently than other people. Um, and if you like it, buy my book. That That's the intent. Um, 
And, and so I, I'm getting it ready and I got to put a thumbnail together. And it, it occurred to me that I could, I could post a picture of like my face looking upset and being like, you're using this software wrong or uh, look how to be a bestseller, right? You know, it's so easy to create a bullshit thumbnail, right? And people click on them. Like it was in my best interest to do that. But I didn't because it would have made me feel gross. And I would rather have like 20 people watch this and learn the software and not be mad at me than have like a thousand people watch it and think I'm a tool. And none of them are going to buy my book anyways. The point is you got to have fun. Got to have fun. You got to have some self-respect. Because you, you talk about this stuff with WoW, right? Like, someone has to make this mount that sold more than StarCraft 2. And, like, well, I would love to talk to that person who made it. You know, what what were you thinking when you did this? Was it just a, a directive from a higher-up? Where Did you do some research? Did you have fun with this? Um, when you fucked up the the clipping into the, the floor for a bit and people were mad because they spent $20 on a mount that wasn't rigged right? Like, how did that make you feel? And then when you fixed it and everyone was happy because that's something new to bitch about, how did that make you feel? Like... I'm more interested in that story than, like, the the politics or the money aspect to it, right? But those are interesting because they inform the story. So I kind of want both. I don't know. Like, yeah. I, and, you know, that, that's another thing, too, is that uh, but a little bit behind the scenes of Warcraft, they're, they, they've always sort of operated in a way where everyone at the table gets to have a say. And they do have goals. They do have directives. They do have plans that they follow. But sometimes they tell the artist, hey, uh, I need a fire effect for this uh, new spell that we're doing. And that's all that they're given. And they'll come up with a new, like the the new uh, dragon class. The spell effects actually kind of look different than the other effects in the game. Like if you stand it next to a mage and you cast your basic fireballs, they're animated completely differently. Which helps give the dragon class a little more personality. But also, it feels like, you know, somebody wanted to do it this way, and it feels yeah. handcrafted, and that's kind of neat. Sometimes what they do is they do that with uh, animals and stuff in the background, too. So, like, somebody will design a mount, and they're like, hey, I, I have this idea for a snail mount, and they have concept art. And they're like, could we do this? And it's like, yeah, let's do that. And they'll make a snail mount, and they're happy with it. You fast forward like a year or two and somebody's like, oh, we need more mounts. Uh, but like part of the game is that we recycle a lot of skeletons. And somebody's like, I actually have a different concept that could use that snail mount skeleton. And that way it uses all the same animations, but I, it'll look totally different. I'm going to do this other thing. And that artist kind of just does it. And then they submit it for approval. And then the head artist checks it off and goes like, okay, yeah, it's cool. And they'll like, they'll just shelve it. So it might be tied to a, a raid. It might be tied to a weird achievement. It might be sold in the store. They tend to put the higher quality stuff in the store. But sometimes it, you can tell that they just sort of like grabbed something off the shelf and said, wow, the guys did a great one here. Look at this amazing tree dragon. Uh, this will be part of this promo here. And they just kind of put it there. And it's, uh, <laughs> sometimes it's weird. Like there's an achievement. If you like, if you collect 500 mounts or whatever, you get an achievement and the achievement rewards you with a new mount and people are like, Oh wow. What's the mount going to be? And then it was just like a recolor of an otter. Uh. And people are like, why? Like <laughs> there's nothing like, like our otters have something to do with the number 500 or something. And they're like, you know what, guys, you know what, you're right. This isn't special enough. We're going to go back to the drawing board. And then a couple weeks later, they came back and said, okay, you know what? It's a ghost otter. And also, if it's in the water, it has a faster swim speed than the other mounts. And everybody's like, all right. That's I, funny. Like, it doesn't answer any of your questions. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> so You have to wonder... Games that like, uh, you know, like the sports games that have a lot of DLC or, or things you can, you know, cosmetics like people had to design those. And, you know, going into work as a as a graphic designer, as a concept artist for an EA game or uh, 
an Ubisoft game and you're like, man, I can't believe I get to work at this company. And they're like, okay, you're going to sit down and I need you to design, you know, 30 of this. And then we're going to sell each one for $3 in our store. And I need 20 of this. And these got to be a little better because we're going to sell those for $8 in the store. And just being on that team, like, what the fuck is that like? I I don't know. And I can't pretend to know. Because it might not even be structured that way, right? I just assume it is. It could be structured totally different. I don't work in the games industry. But I have a feeling every industry, you know, you, you dream about getting into it. And then you get into it and you realize, oh, I didn't dream about all the stuff I would hate about this industry. Because that's not how that works. I've talked about this when I was, you know, in college. I was like, I would love to work at IGN. It'd be so fun to write about video games as my career. And then I get a bit older and I play less of them and realize I don't actually like video games that much. And then you start listening to podcasts about all these people and like how fucking difficult and annoying parts of their job are. It's like, oh, wow. Glad I don't do that. That sounds awful. What a, what a horrible job to have writing for IGN. Man, I <laughs> so I still listen to uh, Colin Moriarty's uh, PlayStation show. And who's the other guy? Greg Miller. Uh, recently was like interviewing the head of Xbox on his show, and th- there's just something weird about like I-, I I was reminded of both of these guys used to be at IGN, and it's like oh yeah, back then IGN kind of mattered. Yeah, like there was a different time where IGN meant something different <laughs> than it does now. <laughs> I think we outgrew it. I I don't know how many people actively attend IGN in their 30s. I I really feel like that's a teens and early 20s website. I and it's always going to yeah. like evolve to reflect that culture. Yeah, honestly, I would love to know like who's actually using IGN for anything because what do they actually provide? That like I, I if I open YouTube right now, it'll have all the video game news I need that I, without even looking. Right. And like I don't I don't read YouTube or, or video game reviews anymore unless it's like a specific YouTube or reviewer that I like the writing style. In which case, I'll read it because I want to support them, not because I have any inclination to buy or not buy any of the games. I'm not going to buy them. I, I buy like one or two video games a year, if that, and usually they didn't come out that year. But it made more sense when I was younger and I didn't have as much disposable income and I was really fired up about the, the industry and the hobby. And so, yeah, I needed to know which games were good. I only had, I could only afford to buy a couple a year. They better be good ones. And now I have more yeah. disposable income and I'm going to just like buy what I feel like buying because it looks cool. And if it sucks, oh, well. I miss written like walkthroughs. I hate that I have to go to YouTube and like scrub through and find a chunk I'm on. Uh, I'm stuck. Yeah. I, I think I, I'm also happy though, <laughs> at least the quality of YouTube walkthroughs are getting better where there's like a user friendliness built into some of these where they have like chapter select and stuff oh yeah yeah, yeah. i i I think my my favorite thing like the the worst trope on youtube is when you you look for a problem and the only result is a youtube video so you click on it and it's like it's someone's desktop yeah and then they navigate over to wordpad and open wordpad and then type out this is how you solve the problem with your minecraft server you you have to first you need to install Minecraft and it like opens their web browser and they navigate to minecraft.com and demonstrate how to download Minecraft. And it's like a super technical problem that clearly anyone looking up this question is beyond this point where they need the tutorial on how to download Minecraft. And you're trying to scroll through it, but the text on the word thing is so small and it's like just when I was um Going to post that Calibri video, I was like, you know what? I wanna, I'm gonna look, search out other YouTube videos on this, see what the thumbnails look like, how they're titled. Um, maybe I'll watch one or two. You know, do I actually need to post this? What if this has been covered? And I, I picked the first one that had an inviting thumbnail, and she started out with, "I'm gonna teach you how to install this," and it's like, what the fuck? No, everyone knows how to install a fucking program, Susan. It's 2024. <laughs> It is funny, though, when you find those kind of videos and then the information in them is good. It's just the delivery is so bad that you're upset. (laughs) Yeah, 
I, I yeah, it is what it is. Which to relate back to writing real quick, I, I'm reading another like lean manufacturing book. Um, at work, I watched a presentation of this guy. It was really good, and I said to this, one of my coworkers involved on this, I was like, "Hey, that guy had a really good talk on this this expo thing." And she goes, "Oh, you know, I ordered his book. I actually have it. Do you want to read it? I haven't started it yet." And I said, "Yeah, let's go." And I read the first 50 pages today, and that dude is an awful fucking writer. He's really bad. Uh, some of the content in there is okay or good. The delivery is horrible. And it's funny because it's, you know, there's that, like, self-awareness, right? Where I may, may be too self-aware. I don't talk about my projects a lot. And this guy is, he, he, he made a book and advertises it and wants, like, $20 for it. And it's like, yeah, but, bro, you can't write. Yeah. You can do everything else really well. Like, I can't argue with the results of your lean manufacturing. You're very good at it. But maybe you should have hired a professional to at least edit edit your book before you self-published it on Amazon. I, you know, that's something that kind of confuses me, too. Like, is it hard to find an editor? No. Go to Reddit. There's so many starving editors or, like, on Fiverr or something that... There are a lot of people that really want to build a portfolio and a resume because they want to do that full time. And yeah, you're going to get like college students with English degrees, but that's going to be better than your baseline that you're at. And so just anything is better than the amount of fucking weird grammatical errors, typos, and oh, you accidentally copy and pasted this paragraph twice back to back. How did you not catch that? I'm just curious. Do I sound better? Yes. Yay. Okay. I, boy, so I, I we meandered a bit tonight because we didn't have a topic, but we somehow stayed on the topic of, like, creative exercise. I think so. I, I kind of want to show you this, and I wonder if it will work while we're, we're uh, recording. But I, I told you that I was playing Pathfinder, right? Oh, that sounds familiar. So here, I'm gonna send you a video. The apparently the the <laughs> the game master's been streaming it to YouTube, and I didn't realize. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I, I do know what you're talking about now. Uh, so this is the system we're using. This is called Foundry. It was a four-hour video. Uh, so Foundry is a virtual tabletop. And it just works so well. Like, <laughs> I I remember we played on uh, Roll20. Yes. And it, that was functional. I, I don't really have complaints about Roll20. But Foundry is spoiling me to the nth degree. The, the way that you can, like, program in different game systems and, like, have it, like, auto-calculate damage and stuff. Uh, you can do line of sight and things. So, like... There's a dungeon, and it's like an actual video game where you don't know what the next room is. You have to go up and open a door and then look in, and there might be someone hiding behind that pillar, and you haven't seen them yet. Like, it's actually engaging and immersive. Uh, you can do stuff like you can put in sound effects and customize your lighting and customize like how things work and you can also hand write in anything. Like it has, uh, we're, we're playing with a thing where it has all the Pathfinder rules. So I can make a character sheet. It knows what the requirements are for a functioning rogue. It knows that if I equip a dagger, I want my dexterity, whatever. Uh, but also, if you want to, you can write in custom stuff. So if like there's house rules and I get a a super sword that's five swords chained together because it's an inside joke that we have at our table, I can write in the rules for it and it'll program it into the game. Wow. So it like calculates the damage and shit, right? And it's just it's so good <laughs> because it's so easy to use. Um so yeah, I sent you the video bit of it running. It looks and much you can nicer see how like than roll twenty. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um because you could just put in any pictures. And so we have like all our player tokens that we made for our character art. Uh, the, it's just, it, you know, the, it's very easy to read the little uh, readout on the side has all like references to rules. So, you know, it has these little keywords under like that thing's a warrior ability. And if you click on the warrior thing, it'll like link to other warrior reference stuff you might need. It's just very, very cool. 
I like the texturing, just like, you know, as you're, these characters are walking through, like, a dungeon and, like, the, the cobblestone and the walls and stuff. It just, it, it, it looks like a, like a top-down RPG. And it's not flashy, but it's so much better than not having a visual. And then the visual that's there, it's like, it's good. It's not, like, you know, there's nothing cheap about it. It's, it, it serves its purpose really well. Okay, so I want to, I want to send this to you here. Uh, click on this link, and it should run in your browser. Okay. Uh, I, I, it's joined game session. It, it's, um, I got some kind of, like, username and password at once. Yeah, so pick, there's, like, a drop-down menu on the usernames. Just pick one, and, uh, there's no password. Just hit enter. I did BM for bowel movement. There you go. So, uh, is it loading? Yeah. Oh, I can see your mouse there. So, like, if you double-click on those, uh, those tokens, it should bring up the character sheet for that person. Oh, uh, tokens. You see, like, unharmed? Is it up in this corner? Yeah. Oh, here we go. Name. Okay, I can give myself a name, it looks like. BC's lieutenant, uh, my rank. And so it has the whole thing there. Um, now, if you... Do you see the blue? It says like blue uh, perform task button. Um, it it should be on the character sheet. Is it like uh? Hold up, let me close out of this. Here we like go. Like under the stats. I I think are you talking like the momentum threat that meter down below on the right? No, on the character sheet. On the character sheet. I don't see a blue button. It says perform task under disciplines. Oh, oh you know, maybe it has discipline name. You, you found okay, it. command. So I got three, four, five, one, one. Okay. So um, click on perform task and it'll roll the dice. I don't see a perform task. I see, I see the disciplines thing. Are you, are you on your sheet? The, uh, the BM one? Uh, maybe not. I think, I think that's the lizard man on the, on the right. Oh, here we go. Yeah, you're right. Okay, I was on the wrong guy. Okay, I forgot. You you see things different because I'm the game master. Okay, so this definitely looks different. So now I got to find my, my perform task. Okay, here we go. Perform task. Number of dice in pool so I can set the dice it looks like. Hey! I like how the and dice so look. So that's fun. Yeah. It's, it's cool. Also, you can customize your dice. So, like, everybody can pick their color. Nice. And have like you can program in the like visual effects. So if you get a twenty, it'll like light up and fire or something, which is a cool moment if you're a mage and you're like trying to get that critical hit. Yeah. Uh, now I'm going to try this because I haven't. Uh, you're actually helping me test, but my my glad space is how much fun it's been to like demonstrate some of this stuff and like put it together. Sure. So if I open this thing here. No, this is wrong. There we are. Uh, so you can we can go to warp. If I update this, hey, I see us. Uh, we're warping along. So it's like visual effects and stuff. Let's see. Oh, planet! There we go. Look, we we arrived at a planet. Wow, immersive storytelling. And then if I activate this scene here. I think it'll take a minute for you to load. Okay. Uh, is it? It says it's at 98%, so it's doing something. Okay, that's right. There it goes. Oh, cool, we there landed. You go. So if you click on your guy, yeah, so like you, you crash land on the planet. Whoa, spooky. Yeah, you can move around, and if you go up towards like the top right here, you should be able to go under these trees that are covering the walkway. It can move with the arrow key too. Oh, nice! Yeah, you're right. You know the line of sight thing. But if you cross, I think if you cross this threshold, it should light up the next area. Yeah. Oh, there we go! Hell yeah, this is cool. So you see what I mean? Where it's like, oh, this is neat. Um, come come back over this way. To the ship, or uh, no, to the right. Yeah, and down here. Here we go. 
There we go. There's a building. Oh, hey, look at that. And you go in the building and uh, see, like, the destruction. It's clearly dark. I, I really like how the line of sight thing works in this, actually. It's it's really cool. This is super well made. I can't believe this is free. Unless you're it's not free. It. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, but what makes it better than Roll20 is that it's not a subscription model. You buy it once and all this stuff works. Oh, hell yeah. And honestly, I was kind of thinking about that the other day, too. Or maybe it was today, just... It's okay to spend money on stuff. Oh, when you when you mentioned that calorie counting, um, you're like you said you have like an app on your phone, and like I was thinking, you know, if I ever got, did download an app to count calories for my phone, I would be okay with paying for a good one and not worrying about ads or how it's tracking my information or whatever weird malicious shit it might be trying to do to my phone. Like at a certain point, it's okay to spend a bit of money on a piece of software that you're going to use. Yeah, at some point, I I think there's a uh, a lot of fatigue right now <laughs> around um, uh, some of these subscription model things that like are just cropping up everywhere. So this is like you buy it once, like the good old days where you just buy software, and then all the add-ons. Like I think there are technically some premium add-ons, but the premium ones are like next level. Like uh, I I wonder if I have the one my friend just sent me. But yeah, here it is. Uh, there's like one of the premium ones you can add on is actually 3D space. Oh, wow. And like, just look at the thumbnail and it's like, whoa, that's different. Uh, but the they show like an example scene is like a pirate ship and it's like racing a giant pirate ship sh uh, sized shark and having this dynamic, like cool pirate battle at, at open waters while the waters are racing by. And it's like, wow, this is so much fun that it totally warrants the price. Yeah, this is really something special. And so I've just, I've been having fun. Like, <laughs> I put together that little forest scene, and that's going to be for a mission when I, I run my Star Trek game. But honestly, like, I'm looking forward to just making more stuff. Like, I might, like, design maps and not even like run games on them. <laughs> it's just fun to play with the creator. Uh like you you saw how the lights worked and stuff, but you can also put in like background noise. So like when you walked in that building, I could set it so once you're inside the building, you hear the computers beeping and stuff, like but only while you're in there. And it's very user-friendly. It just it blows me away how good it is. Yeah, no, I I I really this is really cool. Uh I definitely I see the appeal and the ease of it. I, I wonder, you know, if we if we had this when we were playing D&D, &D, if, if things would have gone... I, I imagine things would have gone about the same. It just would have... It would have been a little more immersive as we, you know, beat up hobos <laughs> and turned uh, an elf into a weird jar of butterflies. Yeah, I, well, and, and you know what's funny, too? Like, uh, it, you can do sound effects. And so I have, like, a soundboard built in with a bunch... There's, like, a... Star Trek is such a great resource to build off of because there's so many like nerd websites from the 90s that have like wave files of every single sound effect isolated yeah so i have like a bunch of like computer beeps that are recognizable and stuff so if, if somebody wants to call red alert i can hit a red alert button and the lights on the ship will turn red and it'll it, you know it, it just all this different stuff that'll work into it to uh accentuate the gameplay so so yeah, my glad space is Foundry VTT. Hell yeah, that's a good one. Um, my glad space is I can never remember what I fucking talk about, so I don't want to. Oh, uh, for Christmas at work, I got a seventy-five dollar gift card to my local grocery store. Uh, just the way the department worked out, we we were able to get uh bigger gift cards this year than normal. And I said to myself, self, I'm going to spend this whole gift card on a single bottle of booze. I want to buy something really ritzy and special that I've never had before, and it's going to be fun. And I finally bought something with it. It took a lot of him and Han and and, and, and thinking. And I got a bottle of Star... Uh, it's like CJ something Starlight uh, Cigar Batch, which is a really bad way for me to... Uh, advertise this and tell you which what it is. Let me look it up real quick. Uh, <laughs> Carl T. Huber is the name of the distillery. Their Starlight is a, a brand name of theirs, and then it is their cigar batch. It's aged in a specific type of wood found in Brazil. 
And uh, I paid $5 for it, so it was, it was an $80 bottle. Um, and it's very good. It has a very, very pungent cinnamon smell to it. Like, you smell it, you're like, holy fuck. This smells like a cinnamon, like like a sugar cookie or something. And it has a lot of really nice, sweet flavors. It's got a really long finish, and it's got that kind of really rounded, bourbony burn that you want out of a nice bourbon. Uh, so it's good. It's really good. And, and I've been I've been enjoying this. I haven't had a lot of it. I'm taking my time. Uh, but yeah, I, I I got you know tried a new new bottle of liquor, and I'm I'm enjoying. That is worth enjoying. Um, I think, I think that's all I got. Uh, as far as this week goes, I, I, I enjoyed having this conversation with you, Cameron. Um, I, I, I don't know if it was enjoyable to listen to, and I feel like I'm in a constant state with that pot with the, our podcast. But whatever. Yeah. I'm actually happy we we kind of stayed on a theme. I wasn't really sure what was going to happen because it was just like, here's a 10-minute thing we could maybe talk about. I watched a YouTube video, and I feel like we, we kept bringing it back. It was, it was kind of cool. Got us having a conversation. No, it, it was. I think this was a very nice talk. Uh, I guess, listeners, I hope you have a wonderful weekend or week or whatever it is after you hear this. And uh, hi, Richard. Hi, Richard. We love you. Kisses and flipping the birds. <laughs>